But I want to talk to you this morning on how to get God's attention. How to get God's attention. The verses read like this, beginning at verse 25 of Mark chapter 5. Listen very carefully, sit up straight, hear every word if you possibly can. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue, which is to say power, had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me. There's a world of difference in thronging Jesus and touching him in faith. And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Let's pray briefly. Heavenly Father, we know there are a lot of folks in our audience this morning who desire your attention. We pray that you'll help us to realize from the standpoint of the scripture the thing that gets your attention. We ask, Lord, that you will minister through that very means to every heart and grant that thy servant will be a blessing to his people today. You know that's my hunger, that's my desire. And Lord, we want to somehow make the burden of life a little lighter as they turn their eyes upon Jesus. Thank you again for the service today and even in spite of the inclement weather for the faithfulness of these who are here in the service this morning. We give you praise for that. In Jesus' name, meet our needs and we'll thank you. Amen. I think every person in the world would really like to know that they have God's attention. Sometimes do you ever feel in your own heart when you're praying that God is not listening? Well, certainly God hears us in spite of what we are or what we may be guilty of. I'm glad that the Lord is aware of the circumstance that we may be going through in life. But there is a special thing, according to the Bible, whereby we can get God's attention and God can meet the need of our life. Now you'll notice in this particular passage of the scripture that though this woman was diseased, it was not her disease that got the attention of our Lord. She was defiled, but that's not what got the attention of our Lord. She was a very disappointed woman, but that was not what got the attention of our Lord. Also, she was a very determined woman, and even that did not get the attention of our Lord. There was one thing above all else that caused our Lord to stop in his movement toward the home of Jairus and meet the need of this precious woman. 
Sometimes we think, well, I got a lot of money and own a lot of land, drive a nice car, wear nice clothes, have a lot of good friends and a lot of influence. Surely God ought to pay attention to me. Well, I'm sorry. God doesn't pay much attention to that. Yet again, we, we, we wonder, Lord, if that's not it. And Father, I go to church, I sing, I, I listen to the preacher. Is that what you require to get your attention? Oh, no, a thousand times no. Yet in this story of the Word of God, you'll find what got the attention of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, let me ask you to look first in Hebrews 11 and verse number 6. And I'll just use this kind of as a support for what I'm going to say to you this morning. Hebrews 11 and verse number 6. And the verse reads like this. You'll remember it when I read it. And it says, Hebrews 11, 6. But without faith, it is impossible, note that, it is, it's not unlikely, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So it is not our achievements in life. It's not our intellect that we may suppose we have. It is not our position in life. But the one thing that pleases God is faith. And I guarantee you, when you touch him by faith, you're going to get God's attention and you're going to get a response from our Lord. The Bible says concerning the people of Nazareth in the ministry of our Lord Jesus on this earth that he could not do many mighty miracles there because of their unbelief. And that simply spells their lack of faith. And there are a lot of folks who miss out on salvation's blessing because they have not exercised faith. The Word of God is the most wonderful book and conveys to us the will of God. But if we do not hear the Word of God with faith, it is without profit to us. And that's what the Bible says. And though they had the gospel preached to them, it was without effect because it was not received by faith. And so then, the matter of faith is the core, the heart of this very, of this very story recorded here in the gospel of Luke. In the first place, let me ask you to be reminded that this woman was a diseased woman. Look in verse 25 again. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years. She had struggled long with this condition. It had been a long time. A disease that gripped her body. Now the Bible in the Old Testament talks about such a condition. Over in Leviticus chapter 15, you'll find that the Bible talks about both male and female who may have what we would call a hemorrhage of blood. An issue of blood. The woman was diseased. But in the spiritual sense, are we not all diseased? The Bible says that indeed we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. That there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. So passed down to us from Adam is that terrible tendency and depravity of sin. 
And so none of us are exempt from this disease uh, that we call sin. And I don't mean to imply that that's kind of like what the medical world calls uh, the disease of alcoholism or the disease of homosexuality or all the rest. I'm talking about sin. And so then man has sin in his system. And just as this woman was diseased, so so she was facing the prospect, the sad prospect, the dismal prospect of death itself. The wages of sin is death. And I guarantee you, unless the sin business is taken care of in your life, you're going to face that same eternal death, that eternal separation from God. Not only was the woman diseased, but notice in that disease, she was defiled. That is, she was pronounced under the law as being unclean. She is in the same category with this disease as as the leper was defiled. There was a defilement because of the disease. In the case of the leper, he was so defiled that he was commanded by the law at the sound of ever approaching footstep to cry, unclean, unclean. That is, lest somebody should come by and touch him and contract the same disease. So the Bible says, indeed, because of the disease, she was defiled. Likewise, because of the disease of the heart and the soul of a man that we call sin, so are we defiled in the eyes of a thrice holy God. We are defiled, we're unclean. Over in the book of Isaiah, chapter 64, I believe it is, if I remember correctly, and verse number 6 of chapter 64 of Isaiah. Isaiah said, but we are all, get that, not just some of us, but we are all as an unclean thing and all our righteousness, that is our self-made righteousness, are as filthy rags. In other words, the Bible says, by reason of sin, we are unclean. We are defiled in the eyes of a holy God. Now, that goes contrary to modern philosophy, does it not? And modern theories of humanism and evolution. I'm here to tell you, according to the word of God, we stand defiled by reason of our sin in the sight of a holy God. The Bible says, unless something's done about that, reminds us in the book of the Revelation that that which makes an abomination, that that is unclean, that that is defiling, will not have a place in God's heaven. And yet I will tell you, the only thing that can cure you of this disease of sin and wash away the uncleanness and the defilement is the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank God for the blood of Christ. And so then the woman is diseased. She is defiled. But watch in the story. She is a very desperate woman. She's desperate. She needs something done. And she has tried and tried and tried to find a cure for her disease and her defilement. But all to no avail. Verse 26 reveals not only her desperation, but it reveals her disappointment. How disappointing life is when we think hey the remedy for my need is in this little bit of psychology or this little bit of philosophy or or this little bit of pleasure and so on when ladies and gentlemen listen the only answer to our problem is Jesus Christ 
And oh, that men would come to realize that. Just like this woman, however, people turned everything in the world rather than turning in faith to the Son of God. And some of you are struggling. I mean, you're fighting for your life. Uh, you're treading water. Uh, you're trying to stay above the drowning point in life when in reality, God will answer if we will touch him with a touch of faith. God responds to our faith. And so then uh, people try everything in the world. They try liberalism. They try modern day religion. They try the charismatic uh, hoopla. They'll try everything in the country instead of just turning in faith to Jesus Christ. The Lord can meet your need. Do you believe he can do that? Now, it's senseless for us to say, yes, he can. It's not going to be of any practical value to us unless we believe in our heart that God can do exactly what he said he could do. And so this woman, she is desperate, but likewise, she is disappointed. She had spent all that she had. She was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. And that's the case of every man who's tried to find a remedy for a sinful condition outside of coming in faith to Jesus Christ. I don't care what your problem is. It may be a home problem. It may be a personal problem. It may be a problem on the job. It may be a marital problem. I don't care what it is. I guarantee you, if you'll come to Jesus Christ in faith, our Lord can change the situation. I believe that with my heart. And so then uh, this woman, uh, a disappointed woman, uh, but yet, watch this, she was a determined woman. I, I, I like to think of this woman as well as some others in the Bible who did not let the crowd keep her from Christ. Now, we got a lot of folks who will do that. You remember old blind Bartim, uh, blind, the blind man outside of Jericho? When he began to cry, having heard that Jesus was coming by, he said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And the people began to say, shut your mouth. Don't make such a racket. Why don't you be quiet? And the Bible said, but he cried the more, saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. He believed that Jesus could meet his need. And he didn't let the ridicule, he didn't let the, the, the raucous of the crowd he didn't get the, let the reprimand of the crowd keep him away from Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you, there's going to be a crowd around you anytime you want to come to Jesus. The world's crowd. The hypocritical crowd in the church. The unfaithful crowd in the church. Oh, listen, there's going to be a crowd everywhere around that fellow who really desires with all of his heart to have Jesus meet his need. That crowd's going to be there to discourage the prayerless crowd, the unfaithful crowd, the non-attending crowd, all of that crowd's going to be a, a reprimand to the person who really wants to come to Jesus Christ. But I'm going to tell you, if you have your need met, you're going to have to have a determination. You're going to have to say, by the grace of God, I know Jesus is the one I need and he can meet my need and I don't care all the doubters, what they say, all the question marks men raise, I believe Jesus Christ can meet my need. And some of you are sitting right here today soaking up your problems, drowning in your problems instead of believing that God's son can meet the need in your life. And if you do not lift up that hand in faith and touch him, you're going to drown in your problems, in your troubles, in your sorrows, and in your disappointments in life. This woman was disappointed. 
You ever been disappointed? Hey, I don't know anybody's lived very long and hadn't been. We get disappointed in people, places, positions, politicians. God knows how we get disappointed there. And we get disappointed sometimes in preachers. We get disappointed in, in uh, positions and pleasures. They let us down. But my friend, listen, uh, there's no disappointment in Jesus. He's all that he said he would be. Oh, he is the uh, Christ who is who gives no disappointment to those who come to him in faith. Well, this woman was determined. And you're not determined to come to Christ. A lot of folks wander around, call themselves Christians, don't have any faith at all. Hadn't got enough faith in their heart to knock the dandruff out of their hair. Hadn't got faith at all. It's just some kind of a little ritual and ceremony for them. Christ is no reality. Faith is not a reality. But if you want to get God's attention, my friend, you must exercise faith in what he is and what he says he will do. She was determined. I'm glad of that. And because of her determination, she was delivered. She had been suffering, Brother Bell, for 12 years. And nobody could help her. But now she comes in determined, believing faith, and she touches but the hem of a garment of Christ, and God brings about a wholeness to her problem and the plague that was beating her literally to death. She was delivered. I'm glad in salvation, the very word, there is the thought of deliverance. In salvation, we're delivered from the penalty of sin. We're being delivered from the power of sin. And some days you've heard so often, we'll be delivered from the presence of sin. Won't that be a great day? Hallelujah. That makes me want to take a running fit. I'm being so glad to get out of this old world where sin prevails and wrecks so many lives and torments so many people, wrecks communities, wrecks homes. I'll be glad when I get out of the presence of sin. I'm looking forward to that day. Now, don't anybody pull a gun on me right now. I'm ready to go, but I'm not anxious to leave within the next five minutes. So the whole story is, I'm glad there's coming that day. She was delivered. But I want to say one other thing in closing. She was a woman who now, by the insistence of Jesus, declared her faith. She was a woman of declaration. Now, here's an interesting thing if you look back in this passage. And Jesus, verse 30 and Jesus, immediately knowing it himself, that virtue, power, had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? Now, there's a difference I said in the reading of the text today in thronging Jesus and touching Jesus. We got a lot of throngs that follow along after Christianity and a professed following of Christ. But the difference comes in the lives of those who have touched him by faith. They believe what he said. They believe exactly what he said about themselves, that we're sinners, that we can't save ourselves, we can't forgive ourselves, and that our only hope is in the crucified, risen Son of God. They believe that. And so it is the touch of faith. So here the Bible said, Jesus said, who touched my clothes? Notes the disciples, verse 31. His disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and says, Thou who touched me, hey. Do you know what? God knows the difference in the touch of faith and the simple touch of curiosity. He knows the difference. And a lot of folks will join the church to join the crowd. But only in faith do you join Jesus Christ. For by grace are you saved through faith. 
It's not of yourself. It's the gift of God. We receive by faith that that God offers and provides us in grace. But now watch again, verse 32. And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. Now, the very tense of the verb in this word suggests that he continuously looked around. In other words, it wasn't just a fleeting glance in this direction. Our Lord seemed to just be looking all over the crowd and uh, he, he continued to look and he continued to say, who touched my clothes? Who touched my clothes? Do you know what, ladies and gentlemen? Jesus is still looking for somebody who will testify to what he's done in their soul. He's looking this crowd over. I wonder how many in this audience have testified to the saving grace of God this week. I believe Jesus continued to look. And yet how few I fear that he finds in our modern day whoever in a seven-day period of a week ever even speak of Jesus Christ. And only then sometimes it's in some kind of profanity. May God help us if we have ever touched him by faith and we have been delivered and saved by the grace of God. God forbid that he'd have to look any longer, but he'd look upon the congregation of Return Baptist Church and hear one of us saying, Lord, I'm the one who touched you and I want everybody to know what you've done in my life. That's what it ought to be. And he continued to look about and looking round about to see they're done this thing. But the woman fearing and trembling. Isn't that generally the case of most of us? The reason we don't testify of Christ's saving grace. We're so afraid. Aren't we a bunch of cowards as Christians? We're afraid somebody, listen, we're afraid they'll misunderstand us. We're fearful and trembling for fear that somebody might reprimand us or make fun of us. Man, listen, if you've got the answer and the answer is in Jesus Christ, don't be afraid of anybody's frown. But tell the world that Jesus Christ is the answer. If we don't do it, the humanists, the evolutionists, the philosophers, the psychologists of the world are going to be telling them, and you and I have the answer. I believe that. If I didn't believe that, I'd quit right now. The whole story is Jesus is the answer. Faith and trust in him. He can correct the problem that exists in our life. Well, the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. Hey, don't you know what's happened in you too? Listen, the cure of Jesus, number one, was an immediate cure. Salvation's the same way. Salvation doesn't come on a gradual basis. That is, you don't move from one stage to another and all of a sudden you grow into becoming a Christian. That's not it at all. Birth is the experience. The, ignite, the beginning of life is, is the, the, a moment of an instant. We're saved the moment we place our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. And I'm glad I can tell you here today if you're not saved, you don't have to wait till next week to get saved. You don't even have to wait till I give the invitation. You don't have to wait till this service is over. Salvation is an immediate experience, an instantaneous experience that happens the moment you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only was it immediate, but it was intelligent. This woman felt in her body, that is, she knew that I mean something had taken place. You remember that old blind fellow Jesus healed? 
the Pharisees drilled him, gave him the, uh, the what is that degree, first degree, what is that they call that, first degree, I don't know, uh, but anyway, uh, third degree or something, and they, I mean, they began to question, what, who is this fella, what, what do he do, where's he from, and the fella said, I don't know, but one thing I do know, I was blind, and now I can see. I was blind, I can see. And listen, I can't explain everything to you about what took place when I trusted Jesus Christ, but I'll tell you something, something did take place. Made a new fellow out of me, took my plans of suicide and threw them out the window. I'll guarantee you when Jesus Christ came in, he made a difference in this old loudmouth, bald-headed preacher's life. And he'll make a difference in your life. So it was an, it was an instantaneous cure, but it was an intelligent cure. And I believe when a fellow gets saved, he knows about it. I don't think he has to go through life saying, well, I guess I'm saved. I hope I am, or I think I am. I'm trying to be. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, you'll know it. And the Bible says you can know it on the basis of the word of God. These things are written to you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Now listen to the very tender words of Jesus. He says to this woman, daughter, Daughter, behold, that is, be cured of your plague. He uses a term that reminds you of a father-daughter relationship. And the Lord in great tenderness, this one was fear and tremor. Maybe she thought, he'll scold me. Uh, maybe he will not approve of what I've done for I slipped up on the black backside and I touched but the Emma's garment. Ah, oh, but Jesus said, daughter, how tender is our Lord. How loving, how receiving is our Lord. And I'm glad that even if faith may be imperfect, it, when it touches Christ, he responds. Now this woman may have had some idea of some magical thing when she touched that little blue hem of the garment of Jesus. But God honored her faith and he gave to her healing to her body. Just as our Lord can give you a healing to your sin-plagued soul that's beat you, tormented you, knocked you around, kicked you down, bruised you in so many ways. Ah, oh, listen, Jesus is the answer. And it's my prayer today that you'll not let the crowd, that you'll not let the world keep you from making your way to Jesus. And when you do, trusting him, I guarantee you, he'll meet the need in your heart. Let's bow our head for prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you that I serve a Savior who is able to meet the need in our hearts. And I pray for every soul present here today. There are some of your people who are suffering. They're going through trial and tribulation and turmoil. They're going through events and circumstances in life that they really have found no answer to. But I pray, Lord, that you'll help them to break through the crowd, the crowd of, crowd of doubts and despair and helplessness. And may they come in simple faith and touch you today. And Father, I pray for that one who's here that's unsaved. Dear Jesus, you know every heart. And oh, that they had come in a simple act of childlike faith. And saying with their heart, yes, I know I'm a sinner, but I believe Jesus died for me just like the Bible said, and he bore my sins away to the cross. He was crucified. 
He was buried. He rose the third day from the dead. And Lord, uh, may they come today just placing their faith in that Savior who loved us and gave himself for us. And then, dear Father, there may be some here who are your children. And you're looking all around. You're looking around this crowd today and saying, I, 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 who, who touched me? And there's some here who are saved, but they have never identified themselves with a Bible-believing New Testament Baptist church. I pray you'll give them the courage to do that today, that they may testify aloud by their, by their identity with this Bible-believing church that Jesus has touched my life and I want others to know it. Do grant it, and I'll give you the praise in Jesus' precious name. Amen.